What's going on, citizens? Thank you for tuning in to the Out of Towners podcast, the podcast where we discuss our faith in Jesus Christ through the use of conversation, life experiences, and deliberation as we traverse this earth that is not our home. Now, without further ado, let's get out of town. This is Out of Towner, citizen number 2397. Going solo for now. The brothers are not here with me in the body, but they are here in the spirit, and so are you. They may or may not agree with everything that I say, but you may not either, but that's okay. Jesus will explain all that when he returns. For love never ends, but as for prophecy, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will come to an end. May the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Let's get started. Well, it's been a while since I've done any other podcast, but, well, here I am again. <laughs> um, fortunately, I'm not with the other brothers. Um, I'll be doing this by myself for right now. Um, but I just want to say, well, God is good. He's always been good, and... Even when I didn't believe, he was always good to me. And uh, today's topic is, can an unbeliever be saved? Or unbelievers? And contemplating this for the past few um, years, really, it just never really caught my attention so much till recently. To dig deep into it and really answer the question if it is possible or not. But uh, I would always see verses and just here and there and think to myself, what is this really talking about? Is this talking to to the church? Or is this, or is this talking about unbelievers? How I was perceiving it at the moment not that I believed in that I just that's what I was seeing in the scripture I, but I was almost in in denial because we always been taught that it's not possible that it's impossible unless you have faith in Jesus which I do agree but at the same time I apply that to the church, to people that have already trusted in Jesus to save them. Um, but it reminds me of the Jews. Sorry if there's a, little, a lot of noise out here. I'm actually in a parking lot. <laughs> I, f- uh, I feel comfortable out here for some reason. Um, but it reminds me of the Jews. They. Uh, they used to believe that only the Jews would be saved, even though they they saw examples that not only Jews were saved, but that is that's something that they always uh, that what they always saw, and that they weren't Jews that they had to convert to Judaism, and that that actually just kept on going even after the church was uh, established in the in the New Testament 
Um, but now the now the church thinks only the church will be saved, and nobody else is condemnation for everybody. And I found that not to be true. Um, and I respect that, you know, they, they and and I, because I also believed it. Uh, we try to stick to the scriptures as as close as we can, you know, not to stray away, not to listen to false doctrine. Um, and we, I, and I guess the church too, we've been having to fight with this uh, doctrine for thousands of years. At least a thousand years, uh, but I want to explain um, my view on this now. Now that I finally have um, concrete evidence, so um, I'm gonna go to Matthew 25, 25, 31, all the way to 46. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all his angels with him. Then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another, just as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep in his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed, clothed me. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in? Or when did we clothe, clothes, sorry, or without clothes and clothe you? When did you see, when did we see you sick or in prison and busy you? And the king will answer them, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of these, the one of the least of these little, these brothers and sisters of mine, you did to me. Then he will also say to those on the left, Depart from me, you who are cursed into eternal fire, prepare for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you didn't take me in. I was naked, and you didn't clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you didn't take care of me. Then they too will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or, or a stranger or without clothes or sick or in prison and not help you? Then he will answer them, I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of these least of one of the least of these, you did not do for me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So what I always was seeing here was there's Jesus and there's three groups of people. 
there's Jesus, and with him is the church, his brothers and sisters. And then there's the nations that are being judged. The sheep and the goats. So that's four. Jesus is with the church, and they are not judged. Not like the other two, which are the goats and the sheeps. And he tells the righteous, and he calls them righteous. And he tells them all these things that they did for him, and they don't even know. They, they're, uh, they're caught off guard. And then when he says that you did all of these things to me, he was referring that they did that to the church. And so he lets them in. Um, I don't want to give too too much away, but it it uh, it echoes to me what Rahab did to the to the two uh, spies that Joshua sent out to Jericho. And what happened? She was saved. And later on, uh, I want to explain other verses, but right now, referring to Rahab. But right now, I just want to stick to. 1925. Um, and then we got the goats that them seeing the church didn't do anything to help them. They saw them thirsty, they saw them in prison, they saw them hungry and nothing. Uh, and you know, if uh, you believe it or not, there's Christians that are homeless and they might look like uh, they're maybe uh, drug addicts or something, but even if they are, they're they're uh, they're brothers that slipped into uh, into sin, and we should still at least try to help them. So. I was explaining this to uh, to a certain brother, and he pointed out that that that's not a prophecy. That that's um, it's a teaching, which I uh, I don't agree with because we got uh, well. I have verses to uh, back that up. So previous before this. The disciples asked him a question. Three questions, actually. And they asked him in chapter 24, verse 3. Two and three, sorry. He replied to them, Do you see all these things? Truly, I tell you. Now, one stone will be left on another that will not be torn down. While he was visiting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples approached him privately and said, Tell us when will these things happen, and what is the sign of your coming, and the end of the age? And then you get all the, all the replies. But you got three questions there. You got, When will these things happen? One. What is the sign of your coming? Question two. And of the end of the age, three. So, 
this is where people start mixing uh, all these three questions into one either in the first century or the or to the uh, to the future which we will I call from, uh, sorry we'll refer to as futurists so they see everything in Revelation as it's gonna all happen in an in instant all the all the seals the bowls and the trumpets all of it and the second coming it's all gonna happen in the future but we see it's, it's three questions and he said well I don't want to talk to about all the other questions but so referring to the end of the age that's when he talks about separating the, the sheep and the goats so the the white throne judgment day when everybody is, is judged except for who except the church the church is not judged because Jesus took our punishment for us we don't have to worry about being judged for what for what we have done unless you were uh, a part of the church that that was uh, the seed thrown on the on the side of the road and that's another thing we well, me and I believe also everybody else would normally take that parable of the sower and the seeds when the when they planted the seeds on the side of the road that that is referring to people that you preach to and they they don't understand and they just they keep going about their business because the devil took away their faith but I saw that that's not the case that he was actually referring to that to the Pharisees to the ones that were trying to kill him because he actually after he was uh, after he did a miracle and the Pharisees said that he was using the power of demons that's when Jesus starts telling them the the parable of the seed because he was actually trying to hide all these things when he was talking in parables he was trying to hide it from them after they blasphemed so uh, I don't want to get too uh, distracted from um, my previous uh, verses, but that's something that also uh, comes into account when I want to um, show that this is uh, true because you're going to run into uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of verses condemning people because they don't believe, but it's referring to people that have already accepted the faith. Uh, and then knowing the faith, they reject it. Not, not people that are not even convinced, that people that aren't even seeking for God. Uh, even though that's a, I'd rather talk about that specific verse later. Because I know there's a verse in Romans and Psalms that talks about that. Um, but I don't want to break that down right now at the moment. But 
you know, just like I, I can show that it is a prophecy. It's also a teaching. You know, so we don't become like Pharisees. Um, after the Pharisees were bad, but so we don't become hypocrites and only people that that talk about having faith but don't really have any. You know, but to be people that actually do something and live out their faith. Because we're not we're not sin, um, we're not servants or slaves to sin anymore, and I'm not saying that that we're slaves to doing only good things, and by that we're saved. But we're slaves to God, and God will give us the the strength and the power to do what is good by His Spirit. I like something that. Um, a, uh, an evangelist called Charles Barham. Um, he was a, uh, or is still somewhat, a, uh, a big inspiration to me. Even though he had some um, not so great teachings, but he once said that, um, referring to uh, war, like actual you know, military war, that a, a draft soldier is, these, these are my words, uh, from what I got from him. A draft soldier is pretty much useless. They, they only do the minimum. They're only, they only wait. They only want to leave. They don't want to, they don't want to do anything for, for the cause. But a voluntary slave, you know, nothing can stop him from doing the, the task at hand. You know, like nothing can stop us from doing God's will in our life. So that's the, that's the take from this. Live your life in servitude, first to God, to others, and then yourself. But I'll, I'll explain all the other verses that, that will support this idea, not just this one. Even though there's it's only it's not just two or three verses, but I got plenty more to share, and I'll see you in the next one. And God bless you all. Amen.